Thanks for listening to the Red Bluff Vineyard Podcast. Also check out our website, www.redbluffvineyard.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to stay connected more, also download the Red Bluff Vineyard Church app on the Google or Apple stores. Hello, everybody. Good morning. So great to see all of you guys here. And if this is your first time, we welcome you. And everyone joining us on uh, Facebook and YouTube, we just welcome you guys. So my wife and I, we have a little girl. Her name is Eden. And she'll be six months in October. And I just can't believe how fast time is flying. And it's just incredible. And so being a dad and being a parent, in my experience, it's, it's fun. Any other parents in here? Any parents? Cool. So how many of you guys know that it can be, it's really, really fun. It's enriching and it can be exciting but also very exhausting, right? And at times overwhelming and extremely challenging, right? But some of my favorite things about being a dad, Eden's smile and when she laughs, when you tickle her, it's just the cutest thing ever. I love her little clothes, right? Anybody love the cute baby clothes? It's so tiny and her little jeans and like she loves wearing different colors and Number three, I love seeing how Eden explores the way she looks at the world. She sees it with so much like, curiosity and wonder. And I love seeing that in her eyes. Nap time. Nap time. I love when Eden takes a nap because that means it's quiet in the house. <laughs> and last, I love when Eden gets to meet new people. For example, just last week, Luke met Eden, or Helder, for the first time. And if you can tell by the picture, she didn't really seem that happy about it. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing, Luke, but she didn't like it. Anyway, so we're in a, actually, yeah, but being a dad isn't always easy. Parenting is not easy. For example, sleep deprivation. I haven't had a good night's sleep since she was born. It's a struggle. And being constantly interrupted. I'm the kind of person that likes, like when I start something, I like to finish it. But when you have a, an infant or a kid, it's like she's always like trying to grab your attention and you're always trying to rescue her from not getting into something, right? Plans always change. Plans always change. Like going out to coffee or going out to eat or just doing anything, it's way more complicated, right? Got to make sure she's fed and got to make sure you have her diaper. You got to make sure you, just the timing and everything. Things can go wrong really quick, right? And diapers. So many diapers. <laughs> On more than one occasion, we've had like mountains of like diapers <laughs> piled up. Yeah. So it's great being a parent. So. We're in a series, sermon series called Colossians, Faithfulness Amidst the Isms of the World. And so we're exploring the book of Colossians and how the Colossians were experiencing the same challenges that contemporary disciples of Jesus face today while remaining faithful to him. And so just a quick recap, 
Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. Um, it's situated in modern-day eastern Turkey. The city of Colossus was large. It was cosmopolitan. And it was situated along a major cultural highway, which meant it was exposed to all different types of religions and philosophies. And so last week, we unpacked chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and learned that the Colossians were examples of how the gospel transforms lives. And the Apostle Paul lists evidence of the Colossians' transformation by their steadfast faith and their confident hope in Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to continue on in verses 9 through 14. So Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14. But before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We just ask that you open up our hearts and, your, and our minds to, to understand what you have for us. May we know you more and more. May your word challenge us and encourage us and lead us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alrighty, so Colossians 1, 9 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can pull out your phone. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and the patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father, for he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. Amen. So, in this passage, Paul is encouraging the Colossians to know God's will. And there's a progression from knowing God's will, which leads to honoring God by how we live. In other words, receiving the gospel leads to transformed, leads to transformation. So, in other words, receiving the gospel and growing in devotion to Jesus leads to transformed lives. And Paul reminds the Colossians that the only way that they can know God better and better is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so one question that we can ask is, well, what is God's will? Well, particularly in Colossians, when Paul speaks of God's will, he has in mind not some particular or special direction for one's life, as we often use the phrase, like, oh, God's will, God's will, right? But he understands it as it's a deep sense and an abiding understanding of God's intentions and purposes for the world that are realized and fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your life or what you're going through, but he, God also cares about what's going on in the world. It's a both and kind of thing. All right. And so how do we know God's will. How do we know God's will? Another way to ask this is, 
What are we doing to determine God's will for our lives? I think one essential way is to read the Bible, read Scripture. In 1 Timothy, Paul instructs uh, uh, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So reading the Bible consistently It's an essential practice for every follower of Jesus. Another way is that we know God's will through prayer. Prayer is communication, it's connection, it's communion with God. Another way we know God's will is by hanging out with other Jesus people, uh, building, uh, forming relationships with other disciples. And so God reveals what he's like through people. See, there are a lot of people who have revealed to me the heart of God. Like, for example, like I see God's justice and his compassion for the, for the poor through, through Jen Torres and her work with the Community Action Agency. And I see God's creativity and, and his joy through, through our music that we sing on, together, right? So last week, we read in verse 6 in Colossians, that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, and it's expanding all over the world. But in verses 10 and 11, Paul prays that the gospel bears fruit and expands and grows inside each believer. Paul is saying that knowledge of the gospel should provoke us to live changed lives. And so when we, when we present our lives as living sacrifices to God, it's an act of worship that honors and pleases him. And honoring God with our lives and with our choices, it's not easy, right? Honoring God with our lives and with our choices is not easy. But Paul points us to the reality that we can't do that, can't do this alone or in our own strength. In verse 11, he prays, May you be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and the patience that you need. In other words, our strength to live lives that honor God come from the Holy Spirit. And so some scholars paraphrase this verse as, May you be strengthened by God by the greatest strength imaginable. And so because of the inheritance and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're able to live according to how God intended us, intended humans to live. The kingdom of God is advancing whenever we see the Spirit at work. One biblical scholar writes, quote, God's power has already delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, Jesus. And that same power is now available to continue the work of bringing our lives into conformity with the kingdom of God, this new world which opens before us. And furthermore, Paul prays that the Colossians be filled with joy and gratitude. N.T. Wright, he's another noted biblical scholar, he says, Paul most wants to see growing in a church as a sign of healthy Christian life on the way to maturity is gratitude to God 
for the extraordinary things he's done in Jesus and the remarkable things he is continuing to do in the world and in their lives. I love this part here. It says, a life lived in the presence of God will be a life full of thanksgiving. A life lived in the presence of God will be full of thanksgiving. So a sign of deepening maturity in Christ and your faith is gratitude. So Eden, she's not going to be in diapers forever, thank God. And so as a human, Eden will experience the various and different stages of, of growth and maturing. She'll go from an infant to a toddler to a young girl to a young woman, right? She'll learn how to crawl. She's already crawling right now. I'm getting into everything. So she's crawling. She'll learn how to, how to walk and then run. She'll eventually get her, her driver's license. Um, when she's 40, she's going to start dating. Um, she'll get married, have her own family one day. My point is Eden is constantly growing and maturing. And this applies to our faith as well. And God has designed us and desires for us to grow in our faith. And church history is full of examples of people who have devoted their lives to knowing God better and better. And as a result, they live lives that bore so much fruit and they live lives honoring to God and they were strengthened by the Spirit to endure challenges with joy and gratitude. Peter Liu Wenyun, he was born in 1760. He grew up in Guzhou province in southwest China, and he inherited the family business of vegetable farming, growing vegetables. So when Peter was 37 years old, um, he heard the gospel for the first time. According to the story, another Christian passed through his village and shared the message of Jesus with him, and he was just so moved and convicted by the Spirit that he eventually became a Christian, and he started sharing his faith with others. And then a few years later, intense persecution broke out. And in 1800, Peter was arrested for his faith. And he was sold as a slave in exile to Mongolia. And historians note that for 30 years, 30 years, he was treated worse than a dog. He suffered all torture and humiliation, but making no complaint, but rather offering it all to God. Wow. So in 1830, 30 years later, a general pardon was declared for all exiled prisoners throughout China. And so at the old age of 70, Peter journeyed back home only to find that after 30 years, 30 years have gone by that nobody remembered him. Nobody remembered him. Amazingly, though, Peter did not despair because the Holy Spirit comforted him and reassured him of the promise that Jesus would never leave him or forsake him or his family. And eventually, after much effort, Peter was able to find his family, and he was reunited with his wife and his two sons, two adult sons, actually. And so Peter resumed the family business. He was tending his vegetable garden and just living a normal life. But shortly after, the government launched another round of persecutions against Christians. And so because Peter was older, he was like 74-ish, um, he 
he wasn't by, he was in jail, he was bypassed. And however, his sons and his daughter-in-law were arrested. And so Peter, what he would do is that he would secretly visit his family and he would encourage them. But not only them, but he would minister to the other Christians who were in jail as well. And eventually the prison guards realized what Peter was doing and they immediately just threw him into jail. But Peter, he wasn't discouraged. And he never stopped praying and singing joyful praises to God. And he was threatened again with another exile, but he refused to renounce his faith. And the prison guards were just so frustrated with his stubbornness and his faithfulness that they, that they sent his sons and his daughter-in-law to another jail, exiled to uh, northwest China, and where they, fortunately, they died there. While Peter was imprisoned, he had a vision of a white cloth coming upon him. And he understood this as that he was about to die. For in Chinese culture, a white cloth symbolizes death and mourning. So on May 17, 1834, Peter was, was executed. And historians note that according to eyewitnesses during his execution, Listen to this. A ball of fire came down from heaven and rested over Peter's head. And an angel appeared to wipe the blood from his face. And the angel carried his soul to heaven. So the next day, Peter's wife came to carry his body away. And she buried him in their family vegetable garden. So when Peter first heard the gospel, it transformed his life. And he devoted his life to knowing God better and better, no matter the cost or the challenges. Peter, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to remain faithful and joyful despite imprisonment, being separated from his family, exile, and the torture. So it doesn't matter if, if you're young or you're old, or like you've been a, or you're a new Christian, or you've, you've been a Christian since the day you were born. We all need to grow in our faith. We all do. So growing in faith, it's a, it's a theme we see in Scripture. And the author of Hebrews uses the illustration of weaning a baby off of milk. And so believers who don't take responsibility for their discipleship, and who aren't maturing in their faith, are like babies who can't eat solid food. And so babies can't mature and they can't grow into adults if, if they just drink milk, right? And so how do we grow? How do we grow in our faith? Well, I would suggest, number one, read the Bible. Read Scripture. I've been practicing this thing where... Uh, Scripture before screen time. Scripture before screen time. So before I, I roll out of bed or before I even check social media or Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, TikTokers, <laughs> read the word. Even if it's just a little, little passage. And there's a lot of different types of resources and start small and just be consistent. Another example is prayer. Prayer. 
prayer is communion, it's connection, it's dialogue with God. And we share with God and God shares with us. Pray throughout the day, even if it's just like two minutes or a minute. Pray throughout the day. And if, if you don't know what to pray, there's a lot of resources out there. Like, check out, uh, read, the, read a psalm. Read a psalm. Or check out the Book of Common Prayer. And then third, how to grow. Community. Form relationships with other disciples and other followers of Jesus. We need each other. And share a meal with somebody if you can. And then serve. Kind of like what John mentioned this morning. There's plenty of ways to serve. Like, for example, we need like musicians and singers. Any other musicians and people? No? Oh, well. <laughs> so we need tech people. We need volunteers for kids and you name it and then you will grow when you serve and last share your faith try sharing your faith with with a neighbor or co-worker or someone who just doesn't know Jesus and I can guarantee you that you will be equally challenged and encouraged so Paul's letter is a relevant reminder to not only the Colossians, but to disciples in Red Bluff, in China, and in the global church. In a culture determined to distract and discourage us in our faith, the letter to the Colossians reminds us that the inheritance and the power of the Holy Spirit is available to help us mature in our faith and to grow in our knowledge of God, which leads to living lives full of worship, endurance, joy, and gratitude in the midst of whatever challenges or, or uh, influences that we face. So can we all stand? And we're just going to wait on, wait on God for a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. So, as I was preparing this this message, I've just been I just sensed that some people want to grow, grow in their faith, but they just they're discouraged or they don't know how to or they, they feel like they're they're not good enough or they're not doing it right. And so if that's you this morning, we just want to pray for you. Father, we just thank you for your presence here and for those who feel discouraged who don't feel like they they think they want to grow, but they just feel defeated or they don't have the strength to to grow. We just ask that your spirit will strengthen them, empower them. Thank you that for the gift and the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. And that same power is available to your followers. 
pray that there will be breakthrough. I pray that you will comfort your people, empower them, and equip them. I pray that the gospel will bear fruit in their lives. That your spirit will open up their, their hearts and their minds to to know your will and to understand your plans and your heart for their lives and for their communities and the world. So Lord, we thank you for this time that we gather together to, to encounter you. I just pray that your spirit will continue the work that you started. And as we go out, Lord, that we might be your ambassadors for your kingdom, whether that be in our workplace or um, with our families, our neighborhoods. Just thank you for the work that you're doing. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name.